Thank you for joining us for today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please send us an email and let us know at impact at jfc.org. Also, if you'd like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online at jfc.org. Click on the Give link and help us bring messages just like this one to you every week. Today's message is from our series, In God We Trust. In this series, we will discover the blessings of God when we align our hearts with His. Hi, folks. Good to see you this afternoon. I um, want you to do me a favor. On the way in, there are two things you will need to have. Uh, one, the notes that you were handed. Grab those. You'll need those uh, for today. And then also on your chair at all the campuses, you'll find uh, this little marker right here. If you've already kicked it on the floor, thrown it on somebody else's chair, or put it away, get it out real quick. I want you to look at it. I know you heard it announced, but let me, uh, let me say this. There are three things we want you to do with this. It's talking about our life day on uh, May the 23rd, and the three things I want you to do are this. If you haven't marked on your calendar already, the 23rd of May, it will be the only service that we have on that weekend. We do one service, one place, with everybody all together. You don't want to miss it. It's an encompassing day. So it's got the 5K that we talked about, and I'll hit that in just a second. Uh, the service is there. The worship is there. Uh, all of the, uh, the, the uh, entertainment for the kids, all the bounce houses, all the different uh, deals, the barbecue, the fundraiser, everything is there. If you haven't marked your calendar, make sure and do that. If, uh, if you'd like to, I want to encourage you to sign up for the run. You can do that online. Now, maybe you're like me. Maybe you are uh, over 50 and you're like, I haven't run. Uh, it was probably in the 70s, the last time that I, that I ran. <laughs> Um, let, me, let me say real quick, so when you go to sign up, there's a box that you can check to run and there's a box that you can check to walk. So when I signed Chris and I up for it, which one did I check? Well, I'm walking and she's running. No, we're both walking in the, in the situation. And it's just fun. It's just a chance to go and hang out. Um, and then last but not least, if you own a business and would like to help sponsor this, there'll be a lot of good advertising for it, but here maybe uh, would be the thing that I would encourage you with while it goes to help us pull this off, all of the funds go to our youth missions. And they've got two trips this summer, one to El Salvador, and the other one is to Africa. And so all of the proceeds for this, everything that we raise in the 5K, everything that's given towards it, everything that goes on with the barbecue, all of it goes to our missions for our youth this summer. So it's a, it's a really worthy cause, a worthy event. It's something that I think you'll have a lot of fun at. If you didn't make last year, make sure and mark it down on your calendar. Uh, we're going to be there, our whole family's going to be there, and it'll be a, uh, just a good time. So uh, take a moment and, um, and, and sign up for that. We really, really want to encourage you to be a part of that. With the notes uh, for this weekend, grab those. Uh, it's called In God We Trust. We're moving into the third weekend of it. Uh, at the transition point in it, I titled the message, Be Generous. Be Generous. Now, when I first wrote it, I just changed this uh, earlier this week. When I first wrote it, I wrote it about two weeks ago, two and a half weeks ago. Got it all done, and I actually titled it, Am I Generous? Am I Generous? But here was my thought. When you, you let's say that you hear the message, you, you run into somebody that didn't make it to church that weekend, and they ask you, what was it about? You'll have to say, well, the message was called, Am I Generous? And it's almost, it's almost putting somebody on the spot, like, are you? And that's not what I, so I just thought, here, we'll just call it, Be Generous. How about that right there? So that's what God would have for us, to be generous. So that's what we're titling this. Before I jump into the message, uh, last weekend, I wasn't here. Pastor DJ taught the second message in the series, and um, I, I had a chance. I didn't hear it on the weekend, but I heard it a little later in the week. I wanted to thank uh, DJ, our Castle Rock campus pastor, for his teaching lesson. I thought he did an outstanding job in, in what he taught and in how he taught. Just his examples. They were great, and I appreciate DJ so much, and 
and, and all of our teaching team. So uh, let's jump into this. We're going to use John chapter 12. Real quick context. John 11 uh, is Jesus at Lazarus' funeral. You remember that Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. Lazarus had died. Jesus wasn't there. Uh, Lazarus has two sisters, Mary and Martha. They send for Jesus before Lazarus dies. Jesus actually intentionally missed getting there before he died. The sisters knew if Jesus got there that he could heal Lazarus, but uh, Jesus intentionally stayed behind, allowed Lazarus to die because he was going to perform a greater miracle, which was to raise Lazarus from the dead. You may remember that story in John 11, and, and we might have a chance to actually just touch on that, but we're going to go to John 12. This takes place two months. So remember that. This is two months after Lazarus has been raised from the dead. And it's going to deal with um, a situation where Jesus deals with Martha, the Martha that was one of the sisters of Lazarus. And this is a scripture, I'm sure you have heard this scripture. Uh, it actually has a catch to it in one of the Gospels. I think it's, uh, I think it's Luke's Gospel, which has the, the tandem story. I think it says, uh, as long as the Gospel is preached, what this woman has done will be given as a testimony to her. So again tonight, as, as we take on this message, and we'll teach it this weekend, and it'll be heard by all the campuses, again, it's a testimony to a person's generosity, but it also speaks uh, to another issue. So uh, we'll pick it up. It's John chapter 12, uh, 1 through 8. You can follow along. Six days before the Passover, this is two months, remember, after he's raised Lazarus from the dead. Six days before the Passover, Jesus comes to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. So get the picture. It's a party that's being thrown in the honor of Christ. Many of his friends are there. And of course, Lazarus is there, whom Jesus has raised from the dead. Lazarus, can you imagine what kind of a celebration this is right here? What, what a time. They're all getting together. So here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Uh, Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with Jesus. Then Mary took out about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? Let me just stop and comment on this. Um, what was this worth? So most, most of your, your uh, translations probably read something in it was worth X number of denarius. And we don't relate dollars to denarius. It was a year's salary is what this was. And really what, what this represented, uh, a woman at that time, other than marriage, had no means for retirement and no means for a future. So this is an unmarried woman right here. This is a woman that whatever she does for herself is what she's going to have when she gets to an age where she can't work anymore. So you're talking, she's taken her entire retirement, something that is going up and appreciating in value, something that is very rare. She's taken her entire retirement, a year's worth of money. Imagine saving a year's worth of money. Can you imagine saving a month's worth? Somebody... Help me with the, yeah. So, it, I mean, this is a significant amount of money. And rather than take it and sell it, what she does is she breaks it and she anoints Christ's body with it. Uh, so so uh, why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. Uh, Judas did not say this because he cared about the poor. Interesting. No, there's no motivation in his heart that comes from a good place. This is coming from an evil place inside of him. So he did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And as keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself 
to what was put into it. Can you imagine? Can you just imagine that? And so Jesus then speaks up for her. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. And then he makes this statement. You will always have the poor amongst you, but you will not always have me. Now just real quickly, you know, this is the only time that Jesus is anointed for his burial, by the way. If you remember the story that uh, for the crucifixion, because it fell right at the time of Passover, they had to get that body in the ground before the Feast of Passover takes over. So they take the body off the cross, and they literally bring him to the tomb, and the women who came to anoint his body do it after his death, not before his death. And when they get there to anoint his body, guess where Jesus is? He's already risen from the dead. So the only time he ever gets anointed for his death is right here what this woman does for him. So what, an, what an interesting thought. And so let me, let me take this story. Uh, I'll begin by asking two questions that I think the story sort of uh, leaps out at us. Two things that we probably should just consider. Number one, why did Mary give such an extravagant gift? And can you agree that it was an extravagant gift? This is not some little thing. This is, this is a major event, a major ordeal. This is a costly, extravagant, pricey gift that she's given. The other question that I would just uh, throw out, why did it bother Judas so much? Why would Mary give such an expensive, extravagant gift? And why did it bother Judas so much? And I would just throw out maybe the first thing to see here is this scripture represents two hearts that we find in scripture. The first one is the generous heart. Yes or no? This woman is very generous with Jesus. She sees the greater value in giving the best that she has to Christ. And then it reveals maybe the other side of the issue, which is the selfish heart. And you can see both of them in society today, can't we? There's always generosity out there, and then there's always selfishness that's out there. So let me, let me just take, I'll give you three things from this scripture that, that sort of stood out to me. Three things that, uh, again, as I invested the time in, in preparing this, I let other pastors help me formulate some of this because I don't feel like this is my greatest area to teach in. And yet I feel like I have such a great heart for this and participate in this. So I, 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 I went outside and looked for help on this. So some of what I got, let me, three things here that the scripture, I think, bring to the forefront. The first one, uh, let me answer these two questions, but do it in these three things. The first one is, let me just simply talk about the enemy of generosity, the enemy of generosity. The enemy of generosity is never a person. Judas isn't really the enemy here. It's, it's not the issue. The enemy of, of, of generosity is not a person. The enemy of all generosity is selfishness, yes or no. That's always the enemy. So I brought this up a couple of weeks ago. Selfishness, everyone in this room, whether we like it or not or want to hear this or not, we all deal with selfishness. We're born with it. It's a part of our nature. I asked the question a couple of weeks ago, why in the world would God use giving as an issue? Why would he want us to teach about Why would he? Why did he even create or offer uh, uh, to believers the opportunity to give? And here's what I think. We're born with selfishness. We all wrestle with selfishness. And the only thing that drives selfishness from our heart is generosity and giving. Yes or no? And I, I can prove this to you, all of you who have little children. You remember my example. One of the very first words that a child learns to say out loud is, what? Mine. And, and I mentioned that, that you'll hear it. I, there's some nerve. They say it like this, mine. And it's connected to a nerve in the brain that makes you get up and go see, what are they talking about right now? You can't ignore it. Yes or no? It just it drives you crazy. You have to go do something. You go in, and it's usually a smaller younger child trying to take away from an older child and what are they mine and you know it drives you so crazy what do you say just give it to them and the older one's like but it's mine 
And you're like, the little one has my stuff too. Give it to him. <laughs> so I, I taught that two weeks ago. In, in between that time, I'm at a restaurant eating lunch, and I have my phone sitting on the table, and a person who goes to our church walks by, has a child with them, stops, hi, pastor, how are you? I said, I'm doing great. Child reaches up, grabs my phone. What do you think the kid said? Mine. Now listen to this. You know what my first reaction was? That's mine. How do you do that? I'm 51, mine. Give that back to me. God's truth, God's truth right there. What is it about, no, so we laugh about it, we joke about it, and we can minimize it, but the truth of the matter is, we are born with a fallen nature, we're selfish, we get born again, we get a new nature, but until we get our mind renewed on the idea of generosity, we all struggle with selfishness, yes or no? And the more costly, the more opportunity to be selfish with something. It's just the way that it is. So I believe that one of the reasons God gives generosity as a possibility, as a gift, and in your notes, it, it, I call it a gift, but it's not really a gift, it's a muscle. And like all muscles, you, you have to exercise a muscle to make it work right. If you don't, what happens? Okay, so. <laughs> if you weren't watching, you missed it. You missed it. <laughs> it's a muscle. God wants us, the ultimate issue, maybe, maybe this is a better way to say it. I, 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 so I put it in here. God's hope is that one day we will all outgrow selfishness. We are most like our father when we act like our father. And the most generous person, the most generous, the, I mean, it's not even to be compared. God is generous with us, yes or no? Yes. So maybe I can answer my question ahead of time for you. Uh, before I get to why, why Judas was so selfish, let me, let me tell you why uh, Mary is so generous. Jesus, two months before this, raised her brother from the dead. If Jesus had raised your brother, your sister, your husband, your wife, your child from the dead... How excited would you be about Jesus? And what would you give to him if he did that for you? You agree? So here's what the Bible says. We were dead in our sins. And he raised us from the dead. Seated us in the heavenlies. And has given us new life. And we forget that, don't we? God has been so generous with us. Whenever he gives, he gives the very best that he has. God so loved the world that he gave his only son for those of you who have children, could you imagine giving a child? Think about the cost, the high price. Yes or no, that's an extravagant gift. It's an extravagant gift. Why would this woman give such an extravagant gift to Jesus? To whom much is given, much is required. Let me just change one phrase. To whom much is given... How happy is it to be able to give back? It's not demanded from us. God, when you realize what he's done for you, how can you not give back to him? How, how wonderful is it to give to him when you, when you get what God's done for you? Huh. Let me, let me then answer the question with Judas. Why did it bother Judas so much that this woman would give such an extravagant gift? I mean... He cloaks it in a religious response, doesn't he? Why wasn't this sold and the money given to the poor? What a religious, what a, what a religious butthead response that is to tell that to Jesus. 
right? Like he's going to teach. Don't you care about the poor, Jesus? I mean, what a... Do you, not find the, do you not find the humor in I'm like, was it that I said butthead? I mean, what is it? You're like, what? what? <laughs> so I, I'll give you an example. It, it's a religion. It's not, there's no, he does not have a heart for the poor. He, he wants the money himself. And, and I think it bothered him. She revealed the heart that he didn't have. And it convicted him. And his response then came from, Jesus says, from the heart the mouth speaks. So the wicked response, the wicked thing in his heart, it just simply revealed that very quickly. That's all it was. Let, let me give you an example, though. Uh, years ago, this goes back, I, I, I'm not exactly sure. In, in the 17 years of the church's history, somewhere in the past uh, 8, 9, 10 years, um, in our backyard, when our kids were growing up, we had a trampoline. But after the kids, you know, after they got past having a trampoline out there, it just kind of sat and rotted. Anybody else had that trampoline? And I watched that thing just kind of. So finally, um, we got rid of the trampoline. I had this area where, where I had the trampoline at. No grass can grow in there. I've got rock in there. Um, I know some of you are like, how could you have rock if they're jumping on a trampoline? It was like little pebbles. And uh, it's just, you can't, just, just a place for something. So I told Chris, I said, you know, I've always wanted a hot tub. Let's look into getting a hot tub. Put a hot tub back there. So I, there was an electrician in our church who had a little side business. And what he did, um, people who wanted to sell their hot tubs would call him and he would remove them. They would actually pay him to remove their hot tub and then he'd resell the hot tub. It's a pretty good little business. So I called him up and I said, hey, if you come across somebody, this guy, it, it's only, I can only get one so big in here. So if you could find this hot tub for me, I would buy it from you. And I'd, I'd like to, you to put this hot tub in for me. So the next couple of weeks, he calls me up. And he said, Pastor, I found a hot tub, but the Lord told me to do this for you. He said, I want to buy this for you. I want to I do the electrical for you. From, you know, you've got to have 220 for it. He said, I, I want to do this. I want to take care of this for you. And I'm, I'm, no, don't do that. I don't want you to do that. That's not the way to do it. And he said, no, I, I feel like the Lord told me to do this. All right, I'll let you do it. So he goes to do it, and he asks another guy to help him. Another guy to help him get it. Another guy to help him pay for it. And the guy comes to my house while they're putting it in. This is what the guy says to me. You know, Pastor, if you really cared for people, you wouldn't ask this guy to do this for you. In fact, you'd take that money and you'd help people in your church who need it. And I looked at him. This is what I said to him. I just, it just came out of my mind. I said, you know who else said that? Judas said the same thing. <laughs> I said, if you really care for poor people, you would sell your house. Right? I just sort of went off on him for a second. And then I backed up and I'm like, oh, sorry about that. And I did it. I really did it. I mean, it just caught me so by surprise. I didn't ask for it. I didn't want it. I was trying to pay for it. This guy's trying to do this nice thing. And this other guy in this religious cloak of an ugly heart is what it was. This guy's generous action made this other guy's ugly heart come to the surface. Hmm. I don't think that guy's still here. Um, I don't mean that ugly. I just seemed like he sort of left or something. Um, so let me give you the second one here. The extravagance of generosity. The extravagance of generosity. 
So let me just quickly, uh, the Bible defines three levels of giving. Three levels of giving. The first one is tithe. The second one is offering. The third one is, uh, I, I, it's my own wording to it, extravagant or sacrificial. That's the word, sacrificial offerings. So it's tithe, it's offerings, sacrificial giving. Things that, that, uh, that are costly. What this woman has done for Christ is extravagant, but it's also costly. It's like the highest level of giving. So three levels of giving. Tithing, giving, and extravagant giving. Most believers, in fact, here, here are statistics in the church. I'm not saying it's true of Jubilee across the board, but most givers, here, here's the statistics, uh, between 93 and 95% of all givers never tithe on a regular basis. Never tithe on a regular basis. And what I've learned is that when someone stands up and begins to talk about generosity, so people hear great stories about things that God can do and what I've learned is if you can't ever make it to the first level, you'll never get to level two and three. But here's what I've learned also. If you can master the first one, two and three are easy. And God can use you anytime he wants to. That's what I've learned. Hmm. The Bible... In just, just the Gospels, list two extravagant acts of giving that Jesus mentions. The first one is this woman right here, Mary, who takes a year's worth of salary that's put into sort of a retirement dowry and breaks it, and it's gone like that. She did it for Jesus. The second one, um, you find this one. I think I've got it in your notes right here. It's Luke 21. Luke 21 reads this way. I'll just read the first couple of verses. As he looked up, Jesus saw rich people putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth or abundance, but she has given out of her poverty. She put in all that she had to live on. Why does Jesus mention that? One, I, I think what's interesting is they were two unequal gifts in the amount... But this woman gave from a place in her heart that was so good and so right, Jesus actually stops to comment on it, yes or no. And if you can just get your heart right when it comes to the giving issue, not giving to get, or giving because uh, I'm going to be cursed, or giving because... Uh, but if you can just get your heart right, giving because God has done so much for me, listen to me, it attracts the attention of God. That's what the Bible says. It attracts the attention of God. Hmm. Two extravagant offerings that we see. Mary and the widow who gave the two coins. They're not the same amount, but they're from, from the same place in the heart. Let me give you the last one. So the first one's the enemy of generosity, is selfishness. The extravagance of generosity is the place that it comes from the heart. The levels of tithing, giving, and then extravagant giving. If you can master the first one, you can do the others. But if you can't get the first one, you'll never get to two and three. You'll just think about it. The last one is just simply the reward of generosity. And I answered the question ahead of time, but I'll say it one more time. Why did Mary give such an extravagant gift? Because Jesus had given extravagantly to her. When God does a lot for you, listen, tell me this isn't true. 
When God does a lot for you, the natural response is extravagance, yes or no? Do you agree with that statement? Okay. I went through my notes as fast as I can because the Lord has told me to do something. And I've wrestled with this and I have... And my wife and I... um, Well, I'll just tell you the story. So we lived in our house for 15 years. We bought it in 2000. We lived in it for 15 years. We raised our children in that house. It's a great big family house. Last year, after all the kids moved out, basically... We sort of looked at it and just said, hey, you know, maybe we should find a house that more suits us for where we are in life. Nothing wrong with that. And if you're doing that, I am, there's nothing wrong with that. More power to you, do it. We begin this process, and what we realized is that to do what we're talking about doing, we're going to go up and not down. We're going up, not down. And we just looked at each other, and we said, that's not the direction we should go in life. So I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to hold on to our house. We're going to pay this house off, and we're going to leave something behind. Because a righteous man and woman do that for their children's children. So, we've got all the stuff in that house that's 15 plus years old. And she said, do you think it would be possible to redo the kitchen? Sorry. And I said, yep. Maybe you start looking for appliances, and we will redo your kitchen. Got a stupid oven that's not working. and (laughs) All the things that happen to a house when it gets older. So we saved and set aside the money to do this. And in the meantime, we're preparing this message and we're speaking about generosity. And um, I got a motorcycle. Let me show this to you real quickly. Look at this. This is my motorcycle. So, isn't that beautiful? Yeah, that's a, that's a 2013. It's called a breakout. And I only have 1,000 miles on it, 1,080 miles. That's all I have on it right there. Go to the next picture. Look at this. Isn't that a beautiful motorcycle? I just like looking at it. That's why I'm showing you the pictures right now. <laughs> go, go one more. Just go to the last one. Yeah. So I've, I've got it paid for. Try to, try to pay off debt and try to, try to keep myself in a place. that. So Chris and I talked and we said, okay, um, we're going to stay here. Let's redo the kitchen. We set aside the money. This week I got a bill that I was not expecting. And the bill was the amount of money I'd set aside to do the kitchen. So we got the motorcycle, but here's the problem. When I prepared the message, two weeks ago, the Lord spoke to both of us and said, give this motorcycle to the church so that you can lead an example of what it means to sacrifice extravagantly. I don't believe in showing what you give to people. I don't talk about my tithe and what I give, but I do believe that a leader has to lead. Do you agree with that statement right there? So we hear from the Lord to just give the motorcycle to the church. Not for missions. I've given them before for missions. But this is just for the church. Undesignated. Just let the church use it. Because, you know, that's where your tithe goes. is to your storehouse. The place that you're fed. Offerings you designate. But just your giving, man, that belongs to the Lord. The first part's His. And I, both of us, heard that. And then, as soon as we decided to give it to the Lord, we get challenged in the very thing. And here was our temptation. We haven't told anybody about this. Let's sell the motorcycle and fix our kitchen. And here's the woman that I'm married to. She says, we cannot do that. The Lord told us to give that motorcycle. And if we don't do a new kitchen, we just don't do a new kitchen. Give that motorcycle, John. So I told my staff tonight, they don't have any idea about this, do you? Never knew. Hadn't, had not revealed it to anybody. Um, Todd, here's the title. 
for my motorcycle. I'll give it to you when we are done here. I'm not doing this. I wrestled with it because I realized only one of two things are going to happen. Either what I'm doing will be respected or it will be misunderstood. And I'm willing to risk being misunderstood to lead something that I think is very holy and upright before God because being generous in the kingdom of God is what it's all about. God has been generous to me. Extravagantly, incredibly, unbelievably, undeniably, mind-blowingly generous to me. And it's an honor to do this. And I was giving it, here's where it was coming from, a place of overflow that was, I had it, I enjoy it, but it wasn't costing me anything. All of a sudden this week it began to cost, so I gave two things, a generous, costly offering. <laughs> Hurt to give it. Because I thought I could back up and sell it, nobody will know. But before God, I had no choice but to be generous. Not because I'm compelled, not because I felt like I would be cursed, but because how could I not give back to him, man? How could I not do what God told me to do? How could I not do it? So with great joy, I give this tonight. With great joy, I give this to our church. Uh, by the way, I looked it up online. It retails about 19000 on that motorcycle. And if you would like to buy it, let us know. Because we're going to put the money right in our general fund. We're going to sell it. Just put the money right in our general fund. That's where it's going to. Uncontrolled, not designated by me, not put into any place that benefits me. To this church to be used for the needs that it has. What an awesome thing it is to do that for God. Pray with me. Father, we love you. And we take just a few minutes right now to just celebrate how good you are to us and everything that you've done for us. Lord, every person in this room who knows you, Church, listen to my words real quick. Every person in this room who knows Christ has to be able to say that God has been good to me. If we can relate to what Jesus did for Lazarus in raising him from the dead and how Mary and Martha would celebrate and throw a feast for Jesus and ultimately Mary would give this very costly, extravagant gift. If we can relate to Gosh, Jesus did so much for her. No wonder she did that for him. Then how can we sit here and claim that we know Jesus but not feel that he's done something so extravagant for us? I think the response just simply to him is to always go, God, I want to give like you give. I want to do what you call me to do. So church, you're sitting out there and you're saying, Pastor, what are you saying? Not one thing. I'm not asking you to do anything. I'm not putting anything on you. I'm not telling you that you should do what I did. I'm trying to show you this is the way. When God does things in our heart, generosity is the outcome, the mark, the way. The way that we live our lives. And it's an honor to do that for Him. It's an honor. What's the Holy Spirit say to you? What does God do in your heart? Are you angry? Do you think to yourself, Pastor, a much better use of that motorcycle would be, does my extravagance reveal in you? Or do you sit here and rejoice with me right now? Does it make you want to relate to it? What heart is in you? What mindset? Father, we simply 
give ourselves to you fully to be used by you. Holy Spirit, every week we invite you and we ask you to lead us and to guide us. And Father, we mean it in every area of our lives, including the first part of our increase, God. We bless you because you bless us, and it's an honor to do so. And I thank you, Father, for speaking. Thank you, Father, for leading. Give you glory for the freedom that we have in you. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Thank you, church.